BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Ladies, your workouts are about to get an upgrade. The new Inspire leggings by Kalia are exactly what you want when it comes to activewear. It's their most versatile collection yet. They look good, feel good, and stay put. Using Lycra Adaptive Fiber, it compresses and molds to the body like a second skin. And it's unbelievably stretchy, so you can move however you want. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Wednesday afternoon and yet another episode of Action Movie Anatomy. Today, we are breaking down, I think, our eighth Tom Cruise movie in the history of the show. This is an incredibly exciting episode. This is Collateral. We'll see you guys in just one quick second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Look at you, Andrew. You snuck in the music. Snuck it in. I didn't see that coming. Oh, you like the classics? Yeah. (laughs) song came out two years before the movie was released. (laughs) I did. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. This is another episode of the best action movie show out there on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. I'm your host, Ben Bateman. Two men on the other side of this table today. One you know, one you might know. One you should know. We're going to start with him. <laughs> yeah. It's Mr. John Sheck. Hey! Yeah, that was a round of applause there. That's good, yeah. You may recognize John from uh, the film Arsenal just came out two weeks ago. He goes toe-to-toe with Nick Cage, Jonah Hex on Legends of Tomorrow. It's pretty exciting that he came in to talk about Collateral with us. Absolutely. I want to know a little bit more about this backstory, because I know these guys don't know, about how did you convince Mr. John Sheck to come on our show? Well, actually, believe it or not, and by the way, guys, this is Andrew Guy. He's the co-host of the show, co-creator, you know. I'm here every now and then. NBD. (laughs) I'm underdressed. I felt, I was like, I was going to put on a jacket, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to put on a jacket. I'm just glad I gave you the tie. You look good, man. Yeah, I know. I had to steal this guy's tie. <laughs> anyway, uh, happy to be here. Good to see everybody. So yeah, the story goes like this: uh, John, you were in a movie called Marauders a couple years ago, and uh, one of our fans tweeted at us randomly about Marauders. He was like, "Hey, there's a sweet movie. You should do it on the show." We looked it up. We were like, "Cool. It's got it's got people we know in it. This looks sweet. Why not?" So we, I tweeted at you, and uh, you were like, "Yeah, totally. I'll come do it. I'm out of the country right now, but uh, yeah, sure. Why not?" That's the story. And I did an interview with John. It was the, this is hilarious. He tells all these great stories about Nick Cage and Ed Harris. And I was like, you want to talk about Tom Cruise? He was like, I'm there. Fuck, <laughs> fuck yes. It helps that I live right down the street. Yeah, yeah. that's really the only reason. Yeah. I just kind of walked over here and he gave you my tie. Yeah, yeah. his tie, jacket. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, guys, this is, uh, this is the day we're going to talk about Collateral. This is one of the few Cruise movies left. We've now done, let's go through them real quickly. We've, we've done Top Gun, yep. Mission Impossible's 3, 4, four five. and 5. We've done The Last Samurai. Mm-hmm. We've done Top, Edge of Tomorrow. Did you say Top Gun? Yep. You did. Edge of Tomorrow, Jack Reacher 1, Jack Reacher 2. So That's it. That's 8. That's so 8. This is, this is movie number 9. And this might be my favorite of every single one that we've done. Of all five? 
Ah, I don't know. MI3 is actually really good. Mission Impossible 3 is one of my faves. MI3 is great. Yeah, this is a great movie. This is an awesome movie and one we've talked about doing for two years, the better part of two years. So uh, I'm excited to get to it. Let's get to the show. Before we uh, break everything down, guys, if you want to follow along with the show, we're on Twitter at AMA Podcast. You can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. You John. can find me down the street or you can look on <laughs> Twitter at, at John Sheck, J O H N. And he is much better at interacting than we are, by the way. Yeah. He's, he's much, much better at it. So if you guys have any questions for John, uh, tweet at him throughout the show. I would like to have the live chat open, but my phone is a piece of garbage. Oh. It is slowly dying. All right. So uh, if you guys want questions, tweet him at AMA or at John for the show. Yeah. I'll try to cover him. Perfect. Awesome. So uh, we're going to get right into the show. And uh, you were spelling, I think, you're at John C-H. S-C-H. S-C-H-A-E-C-H. Yes. never get it right. Yeah. John Shach, right? Shach, Shach, Shach. All right, guys. So uh, we do action movies on the show. Those action movies adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one: the hero always plays by their own rules. This is kind of—he's not a co-hero, and Max no. doesn't play by his own rules. So I think this movie kind of breaks that rule pretty hard, right? Yeah, I mean, there, Max really only plays by his own rules at the end, and even then, I don't think he's really playing by any rules. He's just like a victim of a situation. Yeah, and I guess Cruz... It's funny, because Cruz is the villain, but he's such an anti-hero that he's kind of the hero of the movie yeah. in some ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he almost fits the rule that the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. Yeah, I guess they're the only people that know anything in the room. I guess you would... But again, it's kind of like Detective Fanning is actually like the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, because he's the only one that actually knows what's going on. But really, again, it's kind of just Cruz. He's, he's the, the bad guy and guy. the good guy, the smartest guy in the room. And Fox is just there for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> but in the end, he wins. So he is the smartest guy in the room, sort of. Absolutely. And the scene yeah. that he has with Javier Bardem in the club, where you're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell is that guy? Where did he come, where'd he come from? Why right. Take that gun and beat him to death with it. Yeah. <laughs> Rule three, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political, or mercenary figure. It cruises a mercenary. Clearly. Yeah. Again, it's kind of loose. I guess it's just because... It's because BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Jamie Foxx is supposed to be the hero, and he's not an action hero at all. That's no. the reason these don't work. Well, but but, I'm sorry, but this is where he started to take off into that realm of being the you know the hero. Yeah, you know, right. They could save the day. Yeah, I mean, does Miami Vice two years later? Right. Which, yeah, I mean, this was his first example of being like the everyman <laughs> hero, and he's great at it. He's great at it. And four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Are there any explosions in this movie? It's got to be an explosion. It's got to be. There's a car <laughs> there's crash. Definitely car crashes. Yeah. There's shooting. There's Shootings. a car crash. There's. I don't think there's any explosions. There in this might movie. not be because usually in movies like this, when I'm watching, I'm like, "There it is. There's the one that I can reference." Yeah. Was there an explosion? I don't think there was an explosion. I don't. Cruz blows anybody up. He's just all guns. 
I've turned this movie on every single night as I've gone to sleep since uh, last Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't answer that question, so I don't know if I'm really watching it or not. <laughs> so I think this movie pretty coldly breaks all of our rules. Yeah. I, like, it, in some ways, it does not fit the format whatsoever. It fits the format <laughs> of Michael Mann. Yeah, it fits the format of being fucking sweet. Is what Absolutely. It fits the yeah. <laughs> and it has that feel that we like when uh, in movies that we talk about on this show, but it really isn't a traditional classic action movie. No, it has it has the last 45 minutes have a lot of action and mm-hmm. aside from that it's not very action packed. It's pretty drama packed, but it's great in all the ways that we love movies like The Departed, movies like that that really fit. So yeah, The Part of the Town, these are movies that are all in that category. So mm-hmm. let's jump into the trailer mm-hmm. and then we're going to share our thesis statements on the film. Do it. Two thousand four trailer. I'm not in this for the long haul. This is just I'm filling in. These are the things I'm putting together till they shape up. This is temporary. How long have you been driving? Twelve years. First time in LA? No. I'm in town in a real estate deal. Closing one night. I got five stops to make. Collect signatures, see some friends, and then no, no, I got a six AM at cool. LAX. Unless you know who's Oh, the car's not for hire, then. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll make it 600. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, you do. 600. Cool. We got a deal. What's your name? Max. Max. I'm Vincent. 2004. This is Pete Cruz. Yeah. This is fucking Pete Cruz. It's also great That's time in movie well, trailers. Man. Yeah. seen this trailer in theaters. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, you really? all right? Yeah, yep. Damn it. Hey, hey, he, he, he fell on the calf. I think he's dead. Good guess. I think I might have been in the you, theaters watching you Eternal Sunshine no, the Spotless Mind and I saw this trailer. Well, Maybe. Fall, it's a great movie. Great. It's a great movie. You drive a cab, I make my rounds. You might make it through the night. I can't drive you around while you killing folks. It ain't my job. Tonight it is. It's like, it's, it might be the best cruise role there is. It's like, it actually, yeah, it has a, it has a strong argument, you know? Yeah, it isn't, but it feels like it's, it's not that far from it. No, it has all the best parts of cruise in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good trailer. It's a great trailer. Yeah. It's a classic, like, early 90s. They were, they were just figuring out how to really make you want to watch a movie. You mean early 2000s? You mean? Or, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, yeah, the audience is saying that they don't. That there was no explosion. explosion. Yeah. Except no, for the they, car roof yeah. when you hit it. Did yeah. you notice that uh, the first person on the screen was Michael Mann? His You're right. name? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big. It's all. It's a Michael Mann yeah, film. So it's a Michael Mann film. Yeah, yeah. just like uh, in the entire film, there's no credits until the very end, and the first thing that rolls is Michael Mann film. Direct, yeah, directed by Michael Mann. He's yeah. He's he's notoriously uh, a pretty. Um, it's, I don't want to say like an egomaniac, but I would say he's pretty notoriously it's it's his way or the highway kind of with his movies. That's yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, he, he's got a certain brand. Well, yeah. the word brand is probably overused nowadays, but he's like he branded himself a certain way. He said he knew that he was going to be the star of his own films, so they could have the power in making them. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And they, I think uh, he's he's a guy who's fallen by the wayside a little bit in terms of that demand because his sort of style. He had a style. That's the thing about Michael Mann is that. When you say brand, it's very fitting because the guy was all about style. Everything in his movies was about, like, cool. That's why this movie opens, and it's just Cruz walking through an airport, and, like, he's got the silver hair, he's Mm -hmm. got the sunglasses. It's just fucking cool. Everything about it. Heat's all about just 
cool, you know, everything. It's like it's like De Niro with like the crisp white shirt, you know, it's like the goatee. That's kind of his thing. And I think he got a little older. We got into the, the second half, you know, the, the 2010s, and I don't think Michael Mann really knows cool like he used to. Yeah, I mean, I think that was really evident when, when Miami Vice came out. That was what he thought was like cutting edge, cool as shit. Yeah. And you watch that film and it's... It's, it's a joke. It's hard to watch, and it doesn't come off the way that all the other films do. I mean, even in Last of the Mohicans, it's cool. It's and cool. how do you make yeah. that cool? Yeah. But it is. It's super fucking cool. And everything in the music, and he has this great thing of using music to like really drive yeah. moments. But in Miami Vice, I think that was the term. We talk about this with directors a lot, writers, directors, producers mainly, that decades and times change right. and it's really hard to keep up with it as a director that has a very specific style there's one Scorsese is what you're basically saying there's one Scorsese <laughs> absolutely yeah pretty much ever so uh, let's, uh, let's, let's explore some of our bigger thoughts about this film and about Michael Mann in the next segment thesis statement you guys have watched the show before you know how this works it's your bold thought your big statement kind of your hyperbole moment about the movie uh, the greatest this the first this the strongest this it should never be I really really like Tom Cruise in this movie, you know, it's got to kind of stand for something. It's, it's a great thesis spin. Yeah, you, you have a you have a drink at a party and somebody brings up the movie and you are excited to lay this on them. That's what this is about. Yeah. So we're going to share our thesis statements and I'm going to jump in with one because I think it's we were just talking about it and I think it's the most obvious. This is the last great film Michael Mann ever made. Yeah, Period. I mean, because what was after this? Miami Vice and uh, Public Enemies, and Public Enemies, and then Black Hat and Black Hat. That's the one with Hemsworth. I never saw that. Yeah, this was just just mediocre. Just whatever. Black Hat. Yeah. yeah, it was like the CIA one, right? I don't remember this. It was like yeah, it was like it was like a, not quite a digital release, but it was like his last movie, and I think so. This is this is where he lo- how did he lose the power after this? Well, Miami Vice was a big movie, and right. Miami Vice was a big movie because not only had Jamie Foxx just won the Oscar, so Jamie Foxx wins the Oscar and then does Miami Vice. That movie was just cursed. Colin, I mean, Colin Farrell was also on the top of his career then, and. Uh, Man had worked on the original Miami Vice. It, yeah. was, it was supposed yeah, it was, to be sweet. Yes, yeah. It was I mean, and I was so excited for that movie. I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Like I was so excited. That movie's really bad. <laughs> and then Public Enemies really should have been good. Like I remember when uh, the Oscars rolled the credits the previous year, mm-hmm. they showed upcoming attractions, like the big movies for the next year. We should all be excited about. And they showed a clip from Public Enemies. That I was, was really excited to see that. It was movie. one of the big five or six. It was Johnny Depp. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like that was a big yeah. fucking deal. Christian Bale was right in that moment. And that movie is sterile. Is I think the appropriate word. It is so boring. Yeah, nothing happens in that movie. It's just the most forgettable. It's kind of the way I felt about American Gangster in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But it didn't have any of the like movie stardom that Denzel makes that movie watchable with. It, yeah, Depp doesn't have that anymore. Yeah, you think he does, but he really doesn't. Yeah. Like you watch the last thing that he really had that movie star charisma in is Jack Sparrow, the first Pirates of the Caribbean. After yeah. that, what has he done, whether it's Willy Wonka or Rango or any any of the, what, ten films he's done since then? Yeah, more than that. He's probably done 20 movies yeah. since then, honestly. But yeah, I agree. I, I, he was. It used to be Daniel Day-Lewis, Johnny Depp. Those mm-hmm. were like the two guys. Yeah, but he never... Um Johnny Depp was never really a movie star. He was just always an actor. Yeah. Right. And then he got success with, with uh, bringing a sense of humor to Jack Sparrow that right. was uncanny, and he couldn't stop watching him. So yeah. that put him back on the map because they thought they could make money off of him. Yeah. And then he started, you know... They started he's throwing a good him actor. Into Once Upon a Time in Mexico and all these movies <laughs> where he sort of... Yeah, he's yeah. enjoyable, but he's... Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So I think that that... My point is just that this is the last great movie Michael Mann ever made. I, I mean... 
unless there's a, a produced documentary or something that I'm forgetting that he was heavily involved in that was great. Right. There might have been between uh, Public Enemies and Black Hat because there was like. Well, I mean, if you're talking Michael Mann, everyone refers to him mainly as a director. Like, as a producer, he's been successful. Yeah, he worked yeah. on The Aviator and stuff like that. But really, when you're talking to Michael Mann, you're talking to him. It's like you're going to talk to Brad Pitt about his producing career. Yeah, right. You might, but that's, but not, that's not what people right. want to talk to him about. You're, you're an actor, he's a director. So, on that point, do you want to jump in with yours, John, or do you want me to go? Well, I think it's the first time that Tom Cruise ever took the risk of playing an anti hero. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, other than Interview with a Vampire, where he was kind of a villain. I mean, he was. Yeah. Uh, but that's a vampire movie. It's a little different. And he's also, like, not very watchable in that movie, yeah. so I don't think it's the same <laughs> thing as you're talking about. Yeah, he did venture off and try to get yeah. a stat. Uh, yeah. I think that's a great point, because... Uh, and you know what? A, a couple people asked that, and I... Uh, who was it? It's, yeah, it's, it's later in our uh, AMA yeah, questions. It's not the exactly end. the same question, so we'll, we'll hold that, but... It's true. How often do you see... I mean, it's like Denzel to Training Day. You know, yeah. when you see that yeah. charismatic A-list leading man play a bad guy, Philip Seymour Hoffman wins for Capote and then goes and does MI3. Right. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's so excellent. Right. And, 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 and that's going to help with my thesis, too, is, is that I think that the only reason Tom Cruise hasn't won an Oscar is because he's Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise is why Tom Cruise did not get nominated in the... <laughs> Shaq here, spinning fast-acting pain relief in 2024 with Icy Hot. Take it from me, sticking to your new workout routines can lead to sore muscles. Icy Hot starts working instantly to dull the pain with the icy cool sensation. Then, the warming sensation relaxes it away. Feel the power of Icy Hot's contrast therapy. Ice works fast. Heat makes it last. Icy Hot. This film. That's why Jamie Foxx gets the nod over him. Jamie Foxx doesn't do anything new and exciting in this film. He just exists. He does it very well. Yeah. But is it Academy Award worthy? Is it is it like the highest award that you can win in acting? Is that what Jamie Foxx did in this film? I don't think so. I think what happened was that Tom Cruise got overlooked because he brought elements of Tom Cruise, the real Tom Cruise, to the character. Yeah. And yeah. they even show in the in the uh, in the uh, uh, the trailer um, when he's like, "I'm Vincent." Yeah, right. That's one of my favorite lines in the movie because that's Tom Cruise. Yeah, right. That's, if I was going to meet Tom Cruise, that's how he'd introduce himself, I bet. And I think that people look at him and they're like, nah, it's just him in real life being in the film. We can't give him a nod for that. Yeah, he's I, fucking brilliant. He's he's amazing. And I agree with you that I think he, he gets uh, degraded in people's minds for that reason. This is also uh, the, last, the last attempt by Cruise, unless I'm forgetting one, uh, to win an Oscar, this is his last. This is his last go in in like the end of that run. You know, the run really starts back in 1988 with uh, Born on the Fourth of July, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the 90s. And he tries. He's in a bunch of movies. He's in a few Good Men. Uh, obviously, into the mid 90s when he hits Jerry Maguire, follows that up, and and, and he's taking risks at that point. Magnolia. He's yeah. in Eyes Wide Shut. He's gunning. Um, he's really going for it. He's works with Cameron Crowe again in Vanilla Sky, thinking you know maybe this will do something for me. Right. Uh, and he's kind of you can. That's when he starts to make that transition because that's because that's when he hits uh, Last Samurai and Minority Report. So those are big movies, but like Last Samurai could have been a big Oscar movie, just didn't get received that way. This is 04, and literally after this movie, it's. Mission Impossible Three, mm-hmm. it's War Four of the Worlds, yeah. it's, right back. and then he takes that big break with all the Oprah stuff, and that's that's when his brand kind of shifts to I just have to make action movies. That's what I do now, mm-hmm. right. um, and so I really think this is the last time we saw Cruise in a role that was like, man, you're really 
you're on the top of your game. You're going to play a psychopathic assassin? Yeah, and he does it with such, like, elegance. It's There's never a moment where you're like, ah, that's Tom... I mean, that's Tom Cruise being it. He just lives it. He exists as Vincent. And so I want to jump in with uh, Joshua Ryan at Josh Ryan Sports, a good friend of ours. Uh, he said, yes! Also, is this Tom Cruise's most underrated performance? Should he have gotten the nod over Fox? You guys clearly know how I feel about that. What are your opinions? Well, that's my, so is that your thesis then? My thesis is is what I said. The only reason that Tom Cruise hasn't oh, gotten got an Oscar got it, is because he's Tom Cruise. Okay. So then, yeah, then this kind of segues directly into the question. Yeah, got exactly. Um, is this Tom Cruise's most underrated performance? That's a tough one. Because Magnolia was not underrated. People no. know that's an Oscar excellent nomination. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it wasn't as big. Yeah. 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 Um... Man, I mean, him taking on because he's a movie star, and him, you know, taking on this role that is such a big risk for for his his team to take. But it's a Michael Mann film, right? Mm-hmm. So I think he, you know, it's one of his most underrated performances. Yeah, it's close to the top. I would, I think the ones that would jump out at me on the same level would probably be. Edge of Tomorrow would be the first one that jumps mm-hmm. out because that movie was so, so good. good. It was so good, and he's so good in it. Yeah, he's amazing. And Emily Blunt, I think, steals it though. Yeah, she's, she's great. So good. Yeah, the, the way they play off each other. But you know, he's got just Cruz just has some phenomenal movie star scenes. Like we always talk about the scene when she, she realizes that yeah. he knows, and they're in the cabin, and you know that's that whole thing is just so good. But maybe this is his best because this is definitely a riskier performance than that. That's kind of Cruz being Cruz again. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not really Cruz just being Cruz. Like his when he unloads on Jamie Foxx there in the in the cab at the end about you know and I'll, one day you wake up and you are old and all that stuff. That's really good. It's yeah. great writing and it's just great delivery. Um, yeah. yeah, and you know, and, and even the the uh, the cinematography and the shots in the car that Michael Mann sets up. I was reading about how it's like any time that they have their intimate scenes. Cruz is always just behind Fox or completely out of his peripherals so that he always has the upper hand. Yeah, it's And the just whole. that filming, yeah, that, that right. alone is just brilliant. Yeah. That, that power struggle. Um, all right, man. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Tom Cruise is excellent in this in this role. And right. He, he wasn't given the, the notoriety for doing such a, a, a brilliant job. I mean, you are a movie star. You are a guy that has carried a film and been the lead in it, and you know... How difficult it is to do that and, and completely lose yourself, especially when you're someone like Tom Cruise, where it's in this time it was just before the magnify, like he was under the magnifying yeah, glass, right. but it was still after the run of being like, I want an Oscar so bad for like eight years. Yeah, you know, he could have won an Oscar for this movie. He really could have. Like it's it's the kind of movie that when you watch it again, if you if you saw on the box Tom Cruise like Academy Award winner and it was like for Collateral, you'd be like. Yeah, he's he's amazing in that movie. He's right? so likable and so frightening, and just he just nails it to the wall. Yeah, so and he's really believable. This the, before he knew what he was doing every single time he did a film, but with this, you talk about the the action hero. He actually can do the action. Well, yeah, that's yeah. you start to hear those stories about him and all the training he does, and the interviews you watch about this movie or you read about it. Uh, the prep for this movie is pretty unique. Like he, not only did he show up, and Michael Mann already had an entire backstory written for Vincent. I mean, and for uh, and for Max, yeah, both of them. I mean, everything is what he was doing at age two, what he was doing at age five, when he learned to love jazz, mm-hmm. all of it. That's all there. So Cruz just walks in, and that's already prepared. And, and Cruz was very impressed with that. But then, you know, Cruz is on a gun range. He's every morning he's getting up and he's rehearsing all the moves so he can. You watch all the clips of him training, and it's it's crazy. It's like quick draw, shooting from the hip, yeah, seven shots directly in the chest of the dummy. 
you know, they're interviewing the guy uh, whose name I can't think of, Barry something, who plays the jazz club owner. Oh, yep, yep. And he's like, if Tom Cruise existed in the Old West, he'd have some notches on his belt. That guy's a quick draw. Quick draw. He's a quick draw. Yeah. You know, know. and that's another thing about this film is you got to really respect that, that Michael Mann took weapons training so he would know how to shoot the scenes better. Ruffalo took months of weapons training just to hold a gun better. (laughs) That was it. Just to hold a gun. Just to hold a gun the right way and die with it in his hand. Like, it's shit like that. that These small things that really, really make a movie great. And and the backstory thing, like, you know, I'm an actor as well. I know that you don't act as much anymore, Ben, but you did. And, like, for me, one of my favorite things is, like, building a character profile like writing a character journal and really figuring out who my character is but if you're given that by one of the most respected directors of your generation just like here's who you are yeah like as an actor that's just gotta be like fuck yes that is who i am that's so exciting he's i think the most interesting thing about the role with Cruz is that you think i read all the guys that they considered for this right there's a bunch of guys russell crowe was on the shelf for this for a while but Mm -hmm. then he dropped out because it was delayed you know they offered it to edward norton at one point Uh, Um, i figured that yeah yeah, norton offered a you know, Sandler got offered Max. Uh, De Niro, they wanted De Niro to play yeah. him at one point. And you think about that, and you think about all of the, the variations on those guys, but what it ends up coming down to is to play this character correctly, you have to be a movie star. So you can't put a guy in there who's like a really enjoyable character actor. Like today, for instance, you know, we're going to recast later on, and I kept kind of going over in my head who I, who could play it. And a lot of the guys that I really like let's say Tom Hardy, Michael Fassbender, guys like that that we always use for our recasts here. I was like, those guys are kind of too intense. They're not really they're not really likable enough when they smile and introduce themselves yeah. that you feel like you would believe them that they're just a regular nice guy in a suit in the back of your cab. Whereas Cruz is the most... He's just so likable. He's just yeah. immediately... Yeah. But he, and he's so charismatic, but he's also so intense mm-hmm. that it's like there's not very many guys that can handle that. And that's, I think, what makes it such a unique role and such a unique performance. A much harder one to play, in my opinion, than Jamie Foxx's role. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about how Cruz has got that sincerity about him. Aggressive. So, it's a gra- it is. It's called yeah. aggressive sincerity. It's one of his most most lovable <laughs> qualities. But it's so perfect for Vincent. He is. I'm pumped yeah. up, man. Yeah, I want to watch this movie so, right now. And so is Cruz. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. yeah, is. It's the ultimate dream someday to get Cruz on an episode of this show. Oh, dude. Yeah, I mean, someday. Even if the show's long since canceled, just bring it we'll back. bring it back just to have a cruise on. <laughs> we'll do all the games, everything. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next segment of the show, guys. This is an old favorite. This is fist pump moment. If you guys watch the show or listen, you know this is that moment when you're watching a movie, something happens, you're looking around, you're like, are you seeing this right now? Are, are you are you actually seeing what's happening? Like, this is so exciting. We get to watch the rest of the movie. You call your buddy. You're like, hey, get your phone. Get, get put, put on collateral. Go to 1722. I know you've seen it before. Just trust me, you missed something. Turn it back on. Uh, yeah. It and could be anything. A look, a, the, when a song begins, literally any moment in the film where you're just like, oh my God. Yeah, the credit sequence, the title, the music, whatever. A touching look between father and son. Anything. Um, so, this is... This is a hard one for me because there, to me, there is a clear single fist pump moment. In well, this let's movie. hear John's then. Yeah, go let's ahead. His I'm going to see. My, well, mine would be that look that Tom gives him at the end in the train when he's like, it's almost like, dude, I'm the alpha. Right. Yeah. It's my fucking movie. He's, he's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he doesn't really, he can't really fathom what just happened. Yeah, I know, exactly. And he, he nailed that. Yeah, he really Because that's does. the turning point. I think there's some emotional connection that... That he had, that Vincent has with Max, and it turns. He's like he can't believe that his son just shot him, you know? yeah. right? Or, or his best friend just yeah, right. Just did that. It's the guy beneath him. It's the yeah. guy. Yeah, it's the guy that you'd never worry about that shoots you in the back, like that type of guy where you kind of turn like, around. And you're like, I just Holy. gave you the wild man. You know, the I've experience. saved your life. I, yeah. yeah. 
That's you a, did this to me? Yeah. He pulls out the clip, right, to go to the reload. He drops it because he's been yeah, shot. Yeah, because he's just... With- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And the other thing I was reading about is like in that moment where you're like, how could he possibly have not hit Max? How yeah. could he have missed? He's the most accurate shooter you've ever seen. And it's because of that. Yeah. It is. And I was reading it. It's like Max shoots wildly, and he he hits through the glass, and he hits him in the, the side, right? Yeah. Cruz, if you look, if you slow it down, there's two bullets in the middle of the beam and one in the top where it shows that he did his classic... Yeah. And it hits the beam of where the doors connect. So that's why he didn't win. It's because he's so good at what he does. He's such a good shooter. He's so methodically trained... And Max is just fucking wildly shooting, and that's oh, why Cruz... I didn't know that. That's cool. I just a... got goosebumps. Yeah, right? yeah I didn't get cool? that either. Because right before the cameras rolled, you were in the other room. I said to John, I was like, he's like, this movie's perfect. I was like, well, the third act falls apart because I don't understand how they could shoot at each other. It's not believable that Vincent would miss. Yep. Right? Same thing. I yeah. thought the same thing yeah. watching it. Wow. Wow. That makes it so... Oh, it's a fucking game changer. Yeah. That is a great fist pump. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'd completely like forgotten about how great that moment is. Yeah, that's that awesome. Look. Just the look. What do you got, Bateman? Uh, all right. I, I just think the obvious go-to is, yo, homie, is that my briefcase? Like, <laughs> what do you, we could do better. Yeah. I mean, Cruz just takes him out so fucking fast. It's like, I mean, that's that's. I remember in the theater seeing that. Um, I remember I was. I remember who I saw the movie with. I was like, it was 2004. My friend Maddie Stevenson, and she wasn't. I wasn't like a big Cruz fan at the time. Like mm-hmm. I liked Cruz. Don't get me wrong. I saw most of what came out, but it wasn't like now where like I'm just sure Cruz is the greatest action star of all time. <laughs> Positive. You know, like I, it's. It was like I was like, wow, this is pretty good. I like this Tom Cruise guy. I mean, I, you know, he's good. Um, and like, it's just so commanding and convincing. The double tap entry wound to the sternum, and then mm-hmm. one in the one in the head, like. It's just, yeah, so that's just my favorite. I always was. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like a, some sick thing in me, but that moment where people don't hesitate to execute someone. Yeah. It's just like, God, get out, like stepping on a fly. I love that. And he goes and picks up the wallet in the briefcase and just, just shoots, shoots him again in the head, in the head yep. as he walks back Caps. to the car. Yeah. I think uh, I think my fist pump has also got to be a cruise moment where you're killing someone, and it's when he kills the jazz club owner. The tension building in that scene is brilliant, and it's also the only person that you interact with that he kills yeah so you think for a minute maybe he's gonna get away and then he's like you know where'd Miles learn you know music he's like I know everything there is to know about Miles Davis yeah you know and you're just like what is gonna happen he tells the story and you're like well shit he's gonna like instant like you're like you're good you're free you got away and the just how quick it is the three shots and I honestly my favorite thing about it is when the guy dies yeah his reaction he's kind of like it's like if someone sprayed you in the face with water. Yeah, he kind of like right. doesn't know what's happening. He like, and then and he catches, catches his head. head. That's uh, that is my one. I think I said this to you, Drew, but that's my one sort of like, all right, it's a little weird moment of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's when he's holding the guy's head and he completes the story about um, studied at Juilliard, looked up Charlie Parker. He like says finishes the sentence for the guy and stares at him and he has that crazy look in his eye. <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of like, all right. I don't think you needed that. I don't think you needed to have that moment of him being like, 
this beautiful, insane person. Like you kind of just you could have just shot him and put the head down and walked off because like he's so efficient. I don't think he would have taken the time to hold his head and rest for four or five seconds. That felt to me like kind of a crazy moment. But that's why the ending is the way it is because they're setting it up so that you see that there's parts of mm-hmm. Vincent that have this humanity right. inside him. He wants and to believe it's, it's not there, but and it's connecting to Max. Yeah, until that moment. When it turns. Right. Because yeah. he gives him that look in the club right after he saves his life, where he's kind of like, he looks at him like, what are you doing? Get on my fucking side. You yeah. know, like he's looking at him because he, he saves his life, and then I think in that moment, he's all, he's annoyed, and he also realizes, he catches himself like, why did I just do that? Yeah, like, why know? do I care about this guy? Yeah, and that, I think what's so great about their relationship is they never acknowledge it. They never talk about why they get along. They just do. Right. They, you know, and there's that one moment where Max is like, uh, he's in the car and he's like, if someone had a gun to your head and I had to explain, like, who you are, like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. You know, and that's the only moment where it almost happens and then even then it doesn't. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Michael Mann plays a duality a lot with his, with his two leads. That's the thing. I, I know you mentioned there was an article you read about this, but mm-hmm. as a longtime fan, for a long time, Michael Mann was my bar none favorite director. He was absolutely my favorite director. Around the time my, Miami Vice came out, obviously, is when I think that started to change and Paul Thomas Anderson really kind of just took over for me as, like, yeah. my all-time favorite. But his, Michael Mann has three... I think great, like all-time movies, and that's Heat, The Insider, and Collateral. And I like Last of the Mohicans a lot. I think Thief's a great movie. Um, there are moments in his movies that I really like, but it's those three movies for me that really do it. And he plays with duality in most of his movies. You know, there's mm-hmm. Pacino and De Niro on either side of the same character in Heat. Obviously, that's the classic one. You know, it's like he kills him, but he you kind of he doesn't want to, sort of a thing. Um, you know, in The Insider, you kind of have the the two sides. You have Pacino's character and Russell Crowe's character. You know, there's a real relationship there. Um, there's in, uh, Last of the Mohicans. You have Daniel Day Lewis, and you also have the the, uh, the captain. No, not Magua. Oh. <laughs> but you have the captain, the white captain that yeah, he's right. with him, and it's like they're two incredibly different leading men in their own lives, like what who they think they are for right. each other. And it's clear that like the guy, one of them is much weaker, yep. even though he's like ranked higher and he's more respected, and the other guy is. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, it's like you don't... He doesn't make the movie very often, or ever, maybe, where it's one character going through the motions, interacting with the world, and none of the other characters really matter. It's like he needs to have the second character to balance the first, and that tends to be how he makes his movies. I think with Thief, that is the case, but well, it's... You can see that because it's Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know, he he brought in Jamie Foxx, and Jamie Foxx was not... Did Jamie Foxx, you know, have won an yeah. Academy Award... But Jamie Foxx has such a great performance ability that he gets to steal moments from Tom. Yeah. And, you know, you can imagine how much pressure it is, even for a guy of Michael Mann's stature, to make sure that Tom Cruise looks really good yeah. mm-hmm. in his performance. But And Tom's given the performance, but we, we don't know the ones he cut out. Yeah, right. You know, like, we're there's a fine line with, with the director having to... Make sure the movie star is still a movie star and get people in the seats. Right. At the same time, getting that duality that you're talking about with these two characters. Yep. And that's why I think uh, that's why Jamie Foxx, the actor, the performer, yeah, was able to bring those moments so that when he was in the cutting room yeah. floor, he was sitting there going, "Which do I choose?" Yeah. And the thing about Michael Mann is he's known for uh, he's known for doing an inordinate amount of takes. You know, like he did that scene where Ruffalo walks up and finds Ramon eighty times. Yeah, 
80 times for that scene. He doesn't even really talk. Nope. He did it 80 times? 80 times. Oh, man. Um, a lot That's of guys, adventure. Yeah. yeah. The guys that I know that have worked on films with, with uh, Man, uh, we have a good buddy who works on a bunch of stuff, and he worked on Miami Vice, and he tells those stories. He's like, he's just, he's demanding to the point of it being, ups, like, actually upsetting yeah, to rough. the... What's up? I was gonna say Ruffalo described it as like it's like maddening, right? Maddening, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's it's like keeping crew like hours and hours late just to t- do the same shot over and over again. Wow. Um, it's the power of the director, man. I mean, like you said, he has a brand. He made sure the world knew that he was you know, he was the guy, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So uh, moving on to the next part of the show, let's uh, let's cover a little bit where these guys were in their careers, who made the movie, um, so on and so forth. So we'll start with Cruz. We've alluded to it a little bit. We talk about this a lot, yep. but. Tom Cruise has a distinctive couple of different eras of his career, and this is right. This is right before, I guess, what we would call the modern era, or maybe yeah, the modern this is era. The, uh, end of Phase Two. Yeah, Phase Three, even really, because Phase One is like that's where he comes out of nowhere. He's risky business. He's he's Top Gun. He's like the guy. Yeah, so I right? guess he has four stages to his career then. Yeah, that's the first one. It's basically the '80s right into the early '90s, and I think the shift happens kind of when he's. He makes Mission Impossible 1 in mm-hmm. 1995 when he's sort of like, all right, not only am I going to be capable of winning Oscars, not only am I one of the biggest people in the world, but I'm also going to headline my own franchise movies and produce them with Paula Wagner. Yep. So in 1995, he switches over to that. and that So that's kind of like phase two. Um, this, I, I think, is kind of the end of phase two. This is like the last movie there because he does a decade of these massive movies in the 90s. I mean, all the ones we mentioned, Minority Report and The Last Samurai... Um, Mission Impossible Vanilla 2, Sky, Vanilla yeah. Sky. Yeah, the entire second half of the 90s. Magnolia, you know, so he's kind of trying to do both things. And then right after this movie is where it all falls apart. So the, the I mean, and then he's obviously come back because yeah. he's the man. But um, <laughs> the three movies directly before this were The Last Samurai, Minority Report, and Vanilla Sky, all of which were massive, massive yeah, incredibly movies. successful. And even if Vanilla Sky wasn't everyone's cup of tea, it's still made Wait, a lot it, of money. Did it make a lot of money? It did. It, <clears> it <throat> made a good, a good amount of money. Yeah, it wasn't like huge, but it was very successful. That was the big. That was one of his biggest risks. Yeah. Vanilla Sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Playing that role, absolutely. A little Jonah Hex in him there. Yeah, that scar silly. in the face. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird one. It was a weird one. And yeah. Minority Report's so fucking good. Minority Report's amazing. I so just watched good. that again the other day. Yeah. And then you look at Jamie Fox, who's in a very different part of his career. So he did uh, Ali in 2001, he did Shade in 2003, and he did Breaking All the Rules. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Same year that Collateral came out, came out, and Collateral came out a few months before Ray came out. So yep. Jamie Foxx got a, a nod for supporting and for leading actor in the same year within three movies coming out of three months of each other. Yeah, so I remember when Ali came out, another Michael Mann movie. Mm-hmm. Wow, so I guess Jamie yeah, Foxx. That's three Michael Mann yeah. movies. 
Oh, I didn't realize Ollie that. Ali Vice and this. But I remember when Ali came out, and he plays... He's like a trainer who like pawns the belt or something like that. I, so after Ali, he yeah. kept ha- he kept hanging around Michael. Man. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> he saying, like, what are you going to put me in another movie? Good. Give me man, something good. I, I, can, I can make it happen for you. I can really I can really make it shine. Yeah. Are you going to do a movie with Tom Cruise? And I can be opposite yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. I, can make it, I can make Tom Cruise look really good. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Yeah. And then and Miami did. Vice. Yeah. Well... Yeah. <laughs> so... It's crazy too. Make him pay probably a lot more money. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah Miami Vice is uh, like that's a crazy turning point in Jamie Foxx's career because that movie is the most like snake like snake bitten movie ever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many stories about the production on that movie that they were trying to shoot in like authentic areas that were incredibly dangerous. There was explosions going off at a certain point. Uh, Jamie Foxx was like, "I'm not getting on any planes or buses anymore. We have to shoot everything here." They changed the ending of the movie because he wouldn't travel anymore to finish filming it. Wow, um, he was just over it. Yeah. It, like Colin Farrell was just just drugged out of his mind the oh, entire time. Was. The movie that there's like a whole entire like you could do like an oral history of it or like a documentary about it. It's one of the more fascinating ones. Um, but you know Jamie Foxx was a massive movie star at that point. He had had the number one album. The he had won the Oscar. Right, right. Yeah. He had done all this stuff. But if you think about his career and when he was the most relevant, Jamie Foxx was like really like famous year. for like four or five years. Yeah. Like Sleepless is in theaters right now, and I like. Could have covered the premiere, could have seen it. In both cases, like didn't have any interest. Like it's he's not. He didn't really make good on what a, like the like the brand wasn't likable. Like yeah, I but mean, the, but the, the whole arc of uh, the whole way of making movies has changed so dramatically. Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. Sleepless is like an arsenal. Yeah, you know, uh, it has. But Jamie Foxx are trying to see if he still has relevance. Get people in the seats, go to the theater, right? Knowing that they can. You know, put it on many different avenues after they put it on the theaters, but can he draw an audience to that theater? Right, is a really difficult thing nowadays. There's yeah. not many movie stars. No, no, and we talk about that all the time on this show. That's a, a point that we bring up consistently, and that's that the modern day movie star is not a real thing. Yeah, it's something that died in the early nineties. There's or, like a uh, couple, early two thousand. There's a few. There's I mean, a few. Denzel, Ryan Gosling, you know, a couple guys that'll really uh, do it. Now. Leo, but Leo's not even really that type of movie star. Yeah, Denzel Cruz, is really more so. Cruz can still do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part. But so, yeah, Carl, go ahead. So yeah, so so I mean, this is like the big year for Jamie Foxx. I mean, it's really interesting. He got a nomination for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor in the same year. Mm-hmm. I have to say, it's not a it's not a coincidence. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm positive. I've seen it happen so many times. They the teams that get behind them, they start to figure out yep. these scenarios. Like, Cloud is going to be a really big movie. Right. And it's got the... It's Michael Mann film, so we're going to get a really good performance, and then we're going to... And then we're going to release Ray. And then we're going to release Ray. Yeah. Right after that. So, and then and then they... It's just like, you know, if there was Twitter uh, back then, they'd be campaigning for the presidency. Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they, right. They have to campaign for those uh, nominations and those nods. Right. And when you have your team going full force... Man, people just kind of shift towards that person. Like I did a film with Gwyneth Paltrow, and uh, what's it? Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love. Love. That was yeah. a film that she did after the yeah. movie Hush. Okay. So mm-hmm. when Hush mm-hmm. came, they're going to put Hush out. They were like, they just kind of like, right, toned down. We're not going to talk about Hush because we knew 
they knew that they wanted to talk about they Shakespeare. They wanted to push Shakespeare. So they, they, they did this on purpose. I'm positive. Because Ray yeah. wasn't a big movie. They cried, could move it around, put it in the time slot properly so that yeah. he could get two, t- two uh, possible nominations at that. And he and just went at it. Yeah, people loved it. I mean, you see it happen. I mean, Pacino has the, the year in the early 90s when he gets the supporting nod for Glengarry Glen Ross. Oh, right, yeah. But he also gets the lead nod for Son of a Woman the same year. Um, and it wins for Son of a Woman. We were talking about maybe making a whole list of the guys that have ever gotten two in the same year. Right. Um, there's probably not that many that have ever yeah. done it. It does. It's pretty hard to do. To I mean, to get a single Oscar nomination ever <laughs> in your whole career is is huge. Is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And you have to just like you said, the team. We, you and I talked about this a lot on the interview we were doing with Nick Cage, talking about when he did um, when he did Leaving Las Vegas, and how the next three movies that came out, Con Air, Face Off, and The Rock were all so big and they were all mm-hmm. so massive and it's funny when you look at that period of his career it was all in the course of two years so it's like he got to make them all they all made a huge amount of money and his brand was massive but it's like those are the only three in that little like he didn't really do that again no. and and you were saying that's like a team that's a really good team who lines up those movies and just makes them all yeah he they knew he was going to get you know a chance at the Oscar and then from that I mean he's a actor yeah <laughs> he wasn't an action hero star mm-hmm. yeah and right they, so they they got him money yep and they they put him in those big vehicles so that he, he has a relevancy and see how far he could go but then that team needs to keep him relevant and it's hard when you have someone like a Nicolas Cage as opposed to someone like who's on point Tom Cruise yeah he's like on point with uh yeah, with the whole game plan. You Tom, know? Let's be honest. Tom Cruise is his own team. Yeah, he, he is. He just does movies. everything on his own. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, ahead. moving into this next segment, this is yeah. a very interesting segment that we we, we thought would be uh, fun to talk about. So, Marissa, if you go to YouTube and you type in the name of the video, and you go about fifty seconds in, it'll be the exact same thing that I pulled up. Uh, for some reason, we're having technical difficulties, but so we'll introduce the segment while we get that queued up. Yeah. So, this we're inspired. Calling this, we're yeah, calling this. We are calling this the soloist dilemma. Yes. And uh, the the premise here, guys, is that we all know Hollywood big you know award season. They like a few things. Um, they really, really, really like self referential Hollywood movies. Yes. A la 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 Land is going yeah. to win Best Picture. You know, uh, Birdman. They really, really like big actors taking risks. Uh, you know, gaining weight, losing weight, mm-hmm. playing characters with uh, quirks, mentally Accents, challenged characters, anything. stutters. Yeah, you mean um, King's Speech is a great example. Yeah, this is a thing that wins on Oscars. Everybody knows this. So if you're a big, a big actor, like almost everyone's taking the chance. Um, what well, we're talking about flip today side of that <laughs> are the guys that take a chance in some way, and uh, nothing really comes of the role, or sometimes the role even gets panned a little bit. And we call this the soloist dilemma because Jamie Foxx, just a few years after Ray, after going full method to win the Oscar, was in this movie The Soloist. And, and it was embarrassingly bad to watch. It's just... It was it was like... Two, I think it's one half embarrassingly bad to watch and one half the world was just like... I don't know, man. I don't yeah. really I don't really buy you in the trailer in that character. I'm not going to see that movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I it's <laughs> so that's exactly exactly my thought process. Watch I was like, "No. Like you might be great in it, but like and then here's the thing. Let's you take on the role of a mentally challenged character in a film. Who's going to say you aren't good in it? No right. one's going to ever tell you. Like that is the most controversial risky thing that a reviewer could ever say is that he, you know, I didn't believe the performance. Right. I know that. Like, I don't believe you actually had a stutter, for instance, like in the King's Speech. You those, know, like, that's it, like the, the nicest, or the lowest yeah. level of it. So these movies, when a movie like The Soloist comes along, they just kind of get swept under the rug, they get forgotten about, and then they become punchlines years later for comedians who are willing to go there. And so if we go to 50 seconds into this, Marissa, and we watch it to the end, 
Robert this? Downey breaks it down pretty well for us. Yeah, right here. Bathtub's laughing your ass off. <laughs> yeah. But Simple Jack thought he was smart. Or rather, didn't think he was retarded, so he can't afford to play retarded being a smart actor. Playing a guy who ain't smart but thinks he is, that's tricky. Mm. Tricky. It's like working with Mercury. It's high science, man. It's art form. Yeah. You an artist. Mm. That's what mm. we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hats off for going there. I love how full of shit Ben Stiller is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. About what? <laughs> you serious? You don't know. Uh, Downey's so good in this movie. Everybody knows you never go full retard. He got an Oscar. Downey got an Oscar. Yeah, Oscar, Oscar not. He did? Yeah. 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 He Dustin Hoffman. Ray Man looked retarded, half retarded. Not retarded. Cat two picks, cheated cards. Artistic. Sure. <laughs> not retarded. Yeah, Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump. Slow, yes, retarded, maybe. Braces on his legs. But he charmed the pants off next to him. He won a ping pong competition. That ain't retarded. And he was a goddamn war hero. Uh, you know any retarded war heroes? <laughs> that is just unbelievable. He was a retard, man. The writing in this movie is Never brilliant. Never retard. Yeah. You don't buy that? Yeah, Sean Penn, 2001, I am Sam. Man, <laughs> went full retard. Went home empty handed. I think the movie got an out. You can cut it there. The movie got an out, though. I am Sam. I yeah, thought I'd putting that on our list. And you can't put a movie that gets an Oscar nomination on the list. No, you can't. So we have this no. fun little list oh that we God. comprised, yeah. <laughs> and it's important to talk about these rules because we've seen them all. And one of my absolute favorites is got to be Cuba Gooding in Radio. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's the soloist dilemma to the max. Mm-hmm. It is it is the guy who had previously won the Oscar. It is the guy who does the movie that like. You're just like, you see the trailer and you're like, well, if that wins Oscars, then he's going to be renowned as the guy that, you know, went full, went full soloist, yeah. and, went full soloist. And, and won an Oscar. And he'll just, it'll be like Cuba Gooding Jr., just one of the great actors of our generation. If he doesn't, it becomes another soloist. Yeah. Or rather, soloist became another radio. Yeah, and we've seen this work great. Look at Leo. And what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah, right. It's one of the greatest performances of his career, and it was when he was young. He kicked off the career with it. Yeah, so you can go both ways with this. So there's also, like, Johnny Knoxville in The Ringer, where he plays the guy that infiltrates the Special Olympics. Yeah. You're just like, how do you even make this film? Yeah. How do you sign on to this, put millions of dollars behind it, put your name on it, and be like, yeah, this is great. Let's this go, is PC. So let's go off of the conversation of going full solo as to weight gain and weight loss in movies. Remember when Jared Leto gained like 50 pounds I, for Chapter 23? Right, you were going to yes! I was like, Jared, no! <laughs> right? Like that film. But he, he went... He went, he went full, full soloist. soloist. Full he soloist. sure did. And, and the thing about that <laughs> so, is that he recovered from it. Oh yeah, incredibly. and then he lost a lot of weight he for the last one. Lost a lot of weight, and then he wins an Oscar for it. Yeah. So how about the time that that uh, Fifty Cent lost all that weight for the oh, movie where he played a cancer patient? Yeah, I can't think what that movie was called. No one watched it. Well, I think he was already he was already gambling on the fact that the world thought he was a real actor, and I don't <laughs> think the world was ready for him to be a real actor yet. So I think he lost like thirty pounds or something, and he looks like he's dying, and you're like. Who are you? You're like <laughs> jacked usually. You're like so muscular and your six pack's always showing off. His six pack was really showing oh, off. Oh, it was insane. He lost 30 some pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all of this we have to pay tribute to our good friend Ben Stiller in Simple Jack. Simple Jack. The the, the reference in this movie is to Simple Jack. Uh, the, the, the beautiful irony of all of this is that Robert Downey Jr. got an Oscar nomination for doing that scene for, and for being in this movie and going blackface as, in a comedy. Talking about that. That's, that was Oscar-nominated writing. But so that goes to show you in <laughs> every <love> <laughs> example that we've used for this, whether it be Leo or whether it be Leto, yeah. 
it, if you do it right, if you do it justice, then you'll be rewarded for it. He he he, re- he references them. Rain Man, you know, Forrest yeah. Gump. Like, there's these films that happen, but it's got to be so hard. I honestly would go as far as to say that I don't even know if you're doing it justice is great, and you yeah. sometimes you are rewarded for it. I'll agree with you there. Some, I don't necessarily think that you some of the guys that we become the punchlines didn't do it justice. I think it has as much to do with like their brand, the way they're sold, the, the way the script. trailers cut, the script. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of factors that make the world judge. The performances yeah. and the movies that have kind of nothing to do. It's like they it, just gained the weight or did the thing and read their lines. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you're bringing a lot to the role and yeah. they can edit that in or they can edit that out. Right. And then they make those decisions, you know, based on different scenarios, you know. And you uh, know that some of your best takes end up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing you I can mean, do about that, it. Going back to Collateral is a perfect example. You imagine what the pressure, I mean, see, he's Michael Mann, but that's Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm sure Jamie Foxx improv went ballistic on some takes and, yeah. you know, was there were so many different, every time was completely different. And, and Cruz, you know, he had to weigh out those two performances because yeah. one's a major, major, major risk taker and the other one's an executor. Like he's, yeah. he's he, yeah. he, he hits home runs every single time, Tom Cruise. Yeah, he really does. <clears throat> Absolutely does. So uh, there, there, that is the segment, uh, you know, <laughs> the soloist dilemma. The, share your thoughts in the comments, guys. The soloist dilemma. I, I was I was on the set with uh, Sean on uh, I Am Sam. Were you really? Oh, yeah. yeah. How was yeah. that? It was awesome, man. I I'm sure. So much. Was all- yeah. He's he's a crazy intense dude. I mean, in general, right? I mean, he, and he's talking about a guy who's like the number of performances. Mm-hmm. I uh, I heard the story about Deadman Walking when he came in the audition and he just full fully in character, screaming and yelling, swearing, just like. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's I think uh, I can't remember who told me that story, but it's, uh, the casting director, I think, or maybe I talked to someone who knew the casting director. I can't remember where I heard it, but and Milk is just yeah. so good. Milk's great. I mean, yeah. Mystic River's Mystic. so good. He's incredible. Yeah, that guy's amazing. Unbelievable actor. Yeah, you you were telling me that story that you went to that cool play in San Francisco with him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to get to hang around. We went to the set, hung out. He's like shaved his hairline. Yeah. Uh, Stan Laurel was his. Uh, the, Kind of like his may may yeah. like nowadays that he kept going to in that in that role. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to remember if I even ever saw him, Sam. I did. It was, it was actually it was pretty good. What's really, the, what's the name of Dakota Fanning? Yeah, yeah, Dakota mm-hmm. Fanning. She's phenomenal. Yeah, he's really good in it. Yeah, they just made fun of him in that. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> he's getting a nomination, but he's, yeah, he's brilliant. In the role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I was just yeah. gonna say, yeah, yeah, he gets... they can't bring that one up. Yeah. yeah. All right, so moving on to how this movie got made and all the people involved and all the working parts. One thing I thought was super interesting is the writer uh, Stuart Beatty uh, was 17 when he took a cab home from the Sydney airport, and it was on that cab ride that he had the idea of a homicidal maniac sitting in the back of a cab, um, and then he drafted that into a two-page treatment entitled The Last Domino. Um, so I think that was just cool because that's really what writing is, right? You sit there and you're doing something and something sparks in your mind. You're like, what would it be like if? Right. Because I do that a hundred times a day and this is just a... It's, right. What if it's every single one of them is a great movie idea? Yeah, they probably are. They, they yeah. all are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, And then he would bring the script out every couple of years to update it and eventually, obviously, that it became the script. Yeah, so the the way that this movie actually got made, so uh, from Stuart Beatty, I'm going to jump between him and, uh, where is her name here, Julie Richardson, who was a friend of his. So uh, Stuart got his right, uh, got his start in 97 working on the film Joey, and then he finished out a few more films in the 90s, which is The Protector, Shudder, and Kick, uh, none of which were very successful or really notarized. But um, in 2003, he joined a team of writers 
and created the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Got it. That was his claim to fame. Clearly. I mean, that movie was massively successful. He didn't work on any of the other ones, but the characters were used clearly in all of them, so he was making money. Um, That started his career as a solo writer the next year he wrote Collateral. Um, Or Updated. Updated, yeah, excuse me. So the next year Collateral came out in 2004, and then he went on and worked on Derailed and 30 Days a Night for the next couple years, and then he got his fingers in the G.I. Joe franchise. Got it. So the dude is is he's not massively successful, but he's definitely making good money, and people know who he is. And he uh, uh, right now he's working on spec scripts for Gears of War and Halo, Got oh. the games. So I think yeah. that'll be super cool. Um, he knew Julie Richardson, who is a uh, a producer on this film. I don't know why I got all turned but around. This here. is the first film she ever worked on. Yeah, this is the first film she ever worked on, and. and Beatty was waiting tables when he ran into her. She was a good friend of his um, who he'd met at UCLA Screenwriting. And uh, Richardson had become a producer on the lookout uh, for good scripts and stuff like that. <clears throat> and he pitched her his screenplay, The Last Domino, and she liked it. And her boss, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this guy, uh, Frank uh, Darabont, is that how you say it? <laughs> Frank Darabont. <laughs> uh, he also liked it and set up a meeting which, with HBO, which then got to DreamWorks, and then they bought the script a week later. Got it. Cool. So that's Julie, and that's Michael. And uh, yeah, she's... She's not really doing much now. Let's she's not forget that Beatty directed I, Frankenstein. Uh, oh, yeah. It was his first <laughs> movie he wrote and directed. Aaron Eckhart's gem. Yeah. Well, I, the Frankenstein. F- and Aaron Eckhart was down there when I went to go see Sean at that point. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, same one. He yeah, says, I need something that's going to, you know, launch me. Yeah. I like Aaron Eckhart true. a lot. I love Aaron. He had yeah, a really good, great guy. He had a really good run there for a minute. <laughs> I told you that movie, In the Company of Men, which is great. Nobody ever talks about that movie. Um, and then he was in, obviously, Thank You for Smoking, and he was Harvey Dent. And then He's great. The last five or six seasons, unfortunately. We always talk about character-defining roles on this show. Is Aaron Eckhart in Thank You for Smoking his character-defining role? I think it is career-defining for him, yeah. Or career-defining? Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to say that you, you could make the argument that Harvey Dent would be, because it's right. such a big movie. Yeah, but they don't they don't make enough of it yeah. they haven't brought it to yeah. a, a peak with you know it kind of gets lost in the shuffle with all the rest yeah whereas the character and thank you for smoking is incredible yeah it's I really perfect. I really do think that that's that's probably the character defining role um, I'm, well we'll save it for later in yeah. the show let's let's continue going down the list so Completely let's talk a little movie. Michael Mann um, yeah Michael Mann is a guy who historically as a director producer writer has been involved in tons and tons and tons of like thrillery kind of cop drama type of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the creator, I believe, of the original Miami Vice. Uh, at least a major producer in he the original. Was, he, he helped write it and produce on it. Um, as well as, uh, I mean, obviously Heat, and you have like all these sort of movies like The Insider, where it's like sort of corporate espionage mm-hmm. type of stuff like that. You know, Collateral. What's the other, uh, what's the other, is it Homicide Life on the Street was the other one that he worked on for a long time? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? So he's done tons and tons and tons of that stuff over the years. Um, his he did a movie called The Jericho Mile in 1978 with, um, I can't think who the lead actor was. It was oh, a TV yeah, I movie. That. I had no idea what that was. It's a TV movie, and uh, it's actually uh, it's actually got a guy in it named something Trejo, who was uh, Danny Trejo's dad or uncle. What? Um, because he was at Folsom Prison where the film was filmed. Oh, okay. So then That's when cool. Trejo was actually in Heat years later, he, he named his character Trejo based on his... Uh, uncle or grandfather. I talked to Danny Trejo about this, and I'm just—it's escaping me right now. But Danny's not going to be happy. No, <laughs> but I have it all on video. I should go review it. But uh, Jericho Miles is a pretty Don't good piss movie. Off the ch- yeah, the dude, yeah. that guy scared the shit out of me for the longest time. Danny Trejo, like, just being a kid, like watching yeah. Con Air and all the movies he was in, I was just like, 
And he is the nicest guy. He's so nice. amazingly nice. Yeah, yeah it's just great. S- such a sweet. He's been sober for like twenty three years or something like mm-hmm. that. You meet him and he's like, he's just like like kind of shorter guy who's just like laughs at everything. He's yeah. so friendly. Yeah. Um. But uh, but in any case, so yeah, Jericho Mile. Then the eighties for for Michael Mann. It's like. Thief in 1981, that's that's like the famous kickoff movie. You hear a lot of guys will reference uh, Thief as like yeah. an early kind of crime movie they really, really like. But it's a little dated, but it is really good. It that's is really with Con, uh, right? James Con. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly right. And they used real. Yeah, I did a film with James Con. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started a movie with James Con. Yeah, there you go. Come on, man. Own it. Um, Own it. <laughs> and so we talked about this, and they would use they used real criminals, like the guys that would like safe crackers and yeah right mm-hmm. and they actually they use them in the film to right. do those sequences yeah. that's what Michael's all about he likes yeah. he loves doing that stuff <clears throat> so yeah there's there's Thief uh, Manhunter which is the original prequel to Silence of the Lambs yep. that got I think kind of remade as Red Dragon years later but there's that movie there's a movie called The Keep which is like this horror movie from the mid 80s like 83 I think and then Mohicans is how many the, of these have you seen all of them all of them yeah, yeah. he was my favorite director yeah exactly yeah wow so he made those movies and they, 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 those are the movies that he was trying to set himself up with to to become you know yeah. part of the studio system of making the next film had, it was Mohicans that really that changed was the his one career. right he yeah. even did a TV version of Heat called L A Takedown yes. that's the that's the original version of that movie and it's just lower production value like smaller budget obviously. But it's Mohicans that's the kickoff. Yeah, and then that's, the next few years are just insane. Well, yeah, because Mohicans is huge, and he gets Day-Lewis in the action role, and then Heat's 95, which is like, I think it was I think it was well-received when it came out, but it's honestly, it's lived on much stronger over the years. I think people... I, yeah, I still think, it, I mean, that movie's got to be in most people's top 100 favorite films, and especially action films. Yeah, when I oversee the lists that are like the top 100 American movies of Always all time, there. well, it's on the real top 100s, like the AFIs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's never on those lists. It's always on the fan lists, like the IMDb yeah. top 100. Exactly. But I kind of watch that movie and I'm like, give me a different, give me a crime drama that's as epic and great as this. Like, I would put that on the level. Like, I think that's got to be in the top 100 movies ever made. I mean, we've done 85 episodes of this show now, and Heat's the one that people always reference, no matter if we're doing The Town, or a Bourne movie, or a movie like this, where people are like, yeah, but Heat. Yeah, right. And you're like, oh, fuck, you right. unbelievable. Yeah, it's very good. He's one of the best, the top 10 movies. The yeah. only reason yeah. we haven't covered it on the show yet is because we're waiting on Trejo's people, which we're- we might not get him, <laughs> I mean, because we've been, we've been in discussion for a while. I talked to him for a while about it, and he was totally interested in coming on, so mm-hmm. I'm just trying to coordinate scheduling, but hopefully we can get him in here for it, because it'd be a lot of fun to talk to him about that movie. But, uh, yeah, Michael Mann, it, like we talked about earlier in the show, he kind of hit this wall after he made this movie, mm-hmm. and it's not that... If you, if you watch the trailer for Miami Vice, by the way, um, that movie is... The trailer for that movie is so distinctly 2006. Everything about it, but it's just unfortunately not... It was like, when we talk about his style and being cool, mm-hmm. it was the ultimate example of him trying to be cool, and it was yeah. evident that he was trying to be cool. He wanted it to be so smooth. I think the last line in the trailer is Jamie Foxx says, smooth. I think that the trailer ends. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Of yeah. Miami Vice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be an interesting trailer, actually, just to queue up, because I don't think we'll ever do it on the show. Marissa, would you mind actually trying to find the trailer for Miami Vice? We can watch it in just a second. I, it's super interesting to watch. It looks exciting. It looks like a much better movie than it ends up being. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's Michael Mann. We talked about Julie Richardson mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, oh, it was fast. All right, well, she, oh, no, she's looking. Okay, so while, uh, while she's looking for that, we'll move on here. Um, 
There is a really interesting tidbit about man and his uh, feature male protagonist on Wikipedia. I pulled it out, but it's very long, and I don't want to just reread it to you. So I think if you guys have time and you want to read a little bit more in depth about his characters and the way he drives his films, check that out on Wikipedia. And we're gonna watch this trailer right now. It'll make you want to watch the movie. Yeah. Understand the meaning of the word foreboding. It means that badness is happening right now. In badness is happening right now. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta, gotta yeah. use the song. A lot of blues. Yeah. Speedboats. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> I like want to do the movie on the show, even though I know we never will. It's just a music video. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> it is. That's why the trailer's better than the movie. Yeah. Well, because you already know the feeling behind the songs, mm -hmm. and you go yeah. along with smooth. smooth. That's how we do it. That's how we do That's it. That's how yeah. we do it. That's a movie. It's a I movie mean, that got made. I, yeah, that movie. The trailer looks great. The it trailer looks, looks exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> right. Case where I the mean, trailer. I is, could see it. If yeah, you just right? had seen Collateral, you'd oh, be like, "Hell yeah!" Oh yeah, you're like, "Collateral was great." He's gonna turn one of these guys into Tom Cruise. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. So anyway. All right, so let's get into uh, <clears throat> critical reception box office for this film. It was very successful. It cost $65 million to make. It was released in August of 2004, and it grossed 101 domestically and 116 uh, added worldwide for a total of $217 million. Um, and it made $24 million its opening weekend at number one. Yeah. Tom Cruise in the early 2000s. What yep. else do you expect? Yeah. He sells tickets. People fill theaters for him. Yeah. Um, critically, this movie got a 7.6. And it doesn't follow our usual uh, equation here, or algorithm, um, but it makes sense for this type of movie, where all critics give it an 86, top give it an 83, and audience give it an 84. Hmm. And I think with directors like Michael Mann, you get that a lot. Sure. Where the audience is just a little more skeptical, and critics are a little more like eating out of his hand. Yeah, it's fair. It's, it's a well, it's a well-reviewed Tom Cruise movie. It makes sense that the audience would probably be a little low on it just because he's Tom Cruise. He's Tom Cruise, and yeah. that tends That's to be exactly what I was going to say. It's yeah, the, the, it's lower because of the backlash. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. like to jump. They go online for negative. People just love to talk shit. People are trolls. You know, and the thing is, is like you guys will know. I don't like Jamie Fox. Yeah, I don't. I don't like him as an actor. I don't like most of his films. I like Ray and I like Collateral, and that's it. But yeah. Have I said one time on the show that I don't like him? No. You know what I mean? Like that's because we're constructively talking about this film. We're yeah. not just coming here and be like, fuck Jamie Fox. Yeah. Exactly. You know? That's no one wants to hear that. Yeah. No. And I don't really feel that way. I just don't love his movies. I just don't love his movies. And, and yeah, uh, but for certain roles, he's absolutely... He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. You, can, you can't you take can't his eyes off. deny it. No, he's yeah. great in Ray, too. Or in uh, uh, Ali, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray's, Ray's amazing, though. I finally watched that this year. Um, yeah, so... Uh, nominated for two Oscars, actor in a supporting role, and film editing. Editing makes sense. Sorry, John. Yeah, so uh, what was I just going to say? There was something we were... Oh, this was going to say. The internet's an incredibly negative place, and there's a guy who's obviously on films and television all the time. Mm -hmm. Um what do you, do you deal with this? Like, how do you deal with trolls and like negativity and people being? I mean, do you just ignore it? Yeah, because you're, you're so are active. so active. Yeah. Well, if they if they threaten me or my family, they'll be a whole different thing. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's just words. Yeah. It's, right. It's just they they everyone wants the attention and and nowadays we have everyone who can have a following and you know, and they could be their own star. You know, their so, brand, as you said yeah, earlier. Everyone's yeah. creating their brand, so if their brand's probably putting the negativity right. into the moment, they're, they're going to get a reaction off of somebody. So I just, I, I usually, 
if something really is negative and it hits home, that's gonna harm somebody in my life. I get yeah. rid of it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, just you know, right on. Just, yeah, you know, one thing that Michael Mann's really great at, he's stoic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and, sure and, is. And that's when you don't react. Yeah. So, that's one thing I, I try and do is not react. Now everyone's gonna hit my Twitter sites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right, they're gonna blow you up right now. I'm gonna get him to say something. Uh, you know, and, and that's true because, and I think Ben and I are very lucky with our audience that we have such a receptive audience and, and such a just a gracious. Like, yeah, they're, we, they're we so don't deal nice with much negativity on the show. Thank God, Rarely happens. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't deal well. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's part of the marketing campaign for pretty much every film. They they, they grasp onto the look at the election. They yeah. grasp onto the negative because you'll get guttural responses back from people more quickly. Yeah. So, you know, the the good guys in the world like Tom Tom Hanks. You know, he he, he stays focused on the truth. Yeah. And when you stay focused on the truth, you don't have that negative repercussions. But then you start to add on all those positivity. Yeah, right. Yeah, Denzel's like that, too. Yeah, Denzel's yeah. just like that. Yeah, he's the best. By the oh. way, uh, going back to uh, the full... Uh, the f- the, f- yeah, sol- the solo soloist? Yeah, yeah. so I, I, uh, I was up for a role. The, I had to go full soloist, and I was like... I was with Tom Hanks in the, in the Dodger game, and I said, Tom, you know, i got to play this character, and, uh, and you said, what, what do you think I should do? And he said, you just went... And I, really I like, was like, that, that's it? Yeah. Just like, what are you thinking, or what? what are yeah, he just, he was, he basically just said, "I just right." He wanted to do that look, or he was trying to ignore you. Well, okay, I can't. Stop no, what you're he was just right showing now. me like, just let it all go because right, just do oh. the guy's not focused on anything. But yeah, sure, awesome. you know. So he turned into Forrest Gump, right? That yeah, right, 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 right. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, that's, you know, you know what? That's that actually is perfect segue for our next. Uh, our next segment here. So we have AMA questions of the day that people ask us. We mentioned John earlier. And I want to talk about Blair's Cove 1984, who was at Miss Jones. Just amazing. Yeah. Uh, it says, this is going to be rad. My question is, does John Shack do any of his own stunts, and does he ever get nervous? And I think, I mean, it's two questions, clearly, but I think that it's cool because you're sitting there talking about being at a Dodger game with Tom Hanks. So what <laughs> makes John Shack nervous? And then, yeah, let's talk about the stunts. Oh, uh, I get nervous... Like, I know you were nervous to come on today, but we understand. That's why you well, wore a yeah. tie. You give it to Andrew. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if the tie would match the purple. You know, it was perfect. Uh, you know, I get nervous more about um, looking like an idiot uh, when I when my, my dyslexia is in full gear. Got it. Um, so, like, in an audition, I get really, really nervous, um, which I've learned over the years how to control it. Because I can literally say something completely backwards right. and think... I am absolutely on point. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I know Tom Cruise has dyslexia, and I learned a lot from him as a performer um, reading some stuff on that. Interesting. Um, what yeah. are some of your uh, What are some of your secrets? Because you know what's funny? I do, uh, every now and then I help cast for uh, certain network shows on the CW, and I've actually encountered only one person with severe dyslexia, and they mentioned it beforehand. And they did great. She crushed it. There was only one or two lines where she completely, she just did them again. Yeah. Um, but what are your, like, what are some of your, like, how do you do that, man? Because that's got, I mean, just for you guys that know that at an audition, it's just nerve-wracking alone just trying to yeah. learn your fucking lines for it, you know? Yeah, you know, um, on Heat, I uh, I got so so bad when I was in the room with uh, Bonnie Zimmerman and, and Michael Mann that I literally started crying. Really? Wow. And they excused everyone from the room. Wow. Excused Michael Mann from the room. Let me cry my eyes out. <laughs> and then I, I uh, yeah. 
So uh, then she said, are you ready to perform? And I was like, that was my performance. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one was, uh, I was in the middle of it. Uh, this, I think it was for television, which is much faster paced. And I was really, really nervous. And I said something and I, I heard it. And I literally looked at Deborah Quilla and I was just like, and she was just kind of looked at me right. like, what the heck was that? <laughs> You're not going to get the right. <laughs> but I literally stopped myself and I just said, something's wrong with me. Right. I said, I don't know what it is, but this pressure is causing me to do these kind of things. And I don't mean to cause you guys to waste your time. And I left. Yeah. You know, that caused a lot of problems, obviously. Um, I sent flowers the next day and everything. But then I went to a doctor at 32 years old, pretty yeah. much one uh, collateral was around and they diagnosed me with reading comprehension dyslexia and it traced it all the way back to when I was on the s- short bus holy shit uh, holy shit yeah and the the things that they told me that I needed to do number one was to always try to keep my brain calm yeah mm-hmm. to know that I'm seeing the material differently but that it's the greatest gift you will ever be given as an artist mm-hmm. yeah and then to hear it is different than to read it. So if I hear it, I know exactly what it is. Right. Uh, it takes me literally uh, an extra hour or two hours to work on material. I can imagine. And that's what I do. I work extra hard on everything that I do. But it's interesting you say that that's the greatest gift you can get because there's been so many different acting teachings, like read your script backwards one word at a time and do this. So like I can only imagine the amount of comprehension that goes into when you're trying to read it just normally the amount of different uh, choices and decisions and, and ways of reading that line that you see because you are reading it like broken up like that. That's that's crazy. What awesome. um if do you remember what role in Heat you were in the room reading for? Do you have any recollection? It was a smaller role. I just swore the guy had a cry. So it was, it was <laughs> like, I'm doing what you asked. It was like me. one of his fam the family <laughs> situations. I mean Michael, Michael Rappaport got the role or Oh, okay. Uh, I can't remember. Ah, huh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, put that aside. I can tell you exactly where it was. It was up there in Venice Boulevard Got in that building. And, yep, that happened. Yeah, cool. And uh, on, on Jonah Hex, you do uh, any of your own stunts? Uh, they they tend to keep me away from my stunts in Jenna Hex, but I'm a great rider. Uh, like when I did Texas Rising, I I was on the horse all day. Right. Jumping stuff, falling off the horse. Yeah, that was a Paxton, right, last year? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I've done a lot of my own stunts, but with, with Hex, they don't want the makeup to get screwed up. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you'll see, I hate it, because I can do all that stuff right. really well. Uh, they do bring my stunt guy. He's excellent. So yeah, they put him in there. You know, What's the most fun stunt you've ever done and in your whole career? I had to. I was on top of a, a mountain, and we were rock climbing, and they, they let me... Per- Propel down. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, so I was really doing that. That was the, probably the most exhilarating thing I've ever done. Cool. And jumping out of a, a plane. Yeah, that's and, uh, cool. Full, going full Swayze on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> point break, baby. Is yeah. there? Uh, are there any uh, directors out there that you personally that have been your favorite or that you would just you would just love to work with? Like, are there? I mean, I don't know if Michael Mann's one of them, but like for me personally, like what you mentioned, like Paul Thomas Anderson would be yeah. one of those for me. Like, do you have anyone that you just die to work with? Oh my God! This is, of course I would die to work with either one of those guys. Right, I would yeah. give up my son for him, but you know, <laughs> I definitely would love to be recognized to be able to work at that level, which I've done over yeah. and over. Yeah, again. for sure you have. Yeah, um, Sean Penn as a director. 
Yeah, he's directed some really great stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the Crossing Guard, Into the Wild. Uh, I love Into the Wild. Is still one of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah. I great. love that movie. Yeah. Isn't the Crossing Guard or the Pledge? Is the Pledge that he directed? It's the one of the Pledge, other. the one with Nicholson. Yeah, so I think it's the Crossing Guard. He directed he, one of those two movies. I can't remember. Which I don't one think he directed the Pledge. It must have been the Crossing Guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, re- I admire uh, Eastwood and uh, the way that he can step in front of the camera and behind the camera. At the yeah. Same time. How do you feel about uh, I don't know where this come from, but you mentioned Eastwood. So like, how do you feel about actors that do that? Like like Ben Affleck is kind of the guy that's transitioned from in front of the camera to behind, and he keeps moving back and forth. I mean, I just don't really even know what my question is. Is just that like, do you think that because we were talking about Ben Affleck and Clint Eastwood, do you think Ben Affleck is the next actor turned great director? Well, he's proven himself. He yeah, won, yeah. Won he won Best Picture for- and. He's constantly trying to prove himself, he, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a very difficult thing, and you got to have a lot of power to be able to do that. But also, there's only one person that's going to push your career, and that's you. That's you. Um, all right, we're going to move on. We uh, uh, Tobias at Mecco is this one of Cruz's best performances? Certainly my top three. I think we kind of covered that yeah. a little earlier. So, but uh, thank you guys for tweeting in your questions. That was that was great. Let's move on to favorite line. Yes. Uh, this is pretty simple. It's your favorite line in the movie. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think probably my favorite line in the movie is I like that, that I like that rambly speech that Cruz starts giving to him. That's the one I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But I love when he's like, you think I'm full of shit? You're laden with it. And he's like, you sit here talking about it. He said, but one day you wake up and you are old and all of your dreams are gone and you never accomplished anything. And Fox says, you know, like, thanks, bro. I never looked at it that way. And then he just takes off with yeah. the car. That whole entire interaction great scene. is just fucking great. It's just... It's coming from, and I think the fact that it comes from Cruz, the fact that it comes from a guy with so much status, not only the, not only the character, but also the actor. Yeah. Kind of, it's one of those things where, how are, how is anybody in their life not supposed to listen to Tom Cruise saying those words and not feel that they aren't doing enough with their life compared to Tom Cruise? Even though it's the character saying it to another character, you listen to that and you're like, like what did I do today? Right, what did I do today that isn't being a movie star with 17 cabs and the $200 mm-hmm. million dollar gross? Or you know, I think that just I just love that whole. It's a great line. Yeah, it's great. You know, uh, one acting teacher that I had, he would say, "There's roles that you will play that will change your life, hmm. and if you can find those roles, those are the roles that you're supposed to play." So you know, lines like you know, I've, I've not the man that I used to be. Right. Know, sure. May just be kind of throwaway lines, but when when an actor really tells it to another soul it's almost like a confession yeah yeah and we we register it you know we, we connect to that um so yeah i think that's cruz connects very well what, what you call like he's so oh the aggressive sincerity oh, yeah, yeah. Since he's sincere but he's uh, he's telling the truth yeah. full disclosure aggressive sincerity is a phrase that i read in esquire magazine doing, talking about valkyrie in 2008 it was, <laughs> it was do we what do we love about tom cruise is it his aggressive sincerity i remember reading that and, and i've carried like, it with me forever i've yeah. always thought it was the best description i stole that from you because it's fantastic yeah. <laughs> uh my favorite line is i think it actually plays off that too because the way he says it the type of person that he is he's so sincere that when he's sarcastic it's such a fuck you yeah it is so brutal and when he says that line he's like no, it's you know Jamie Foxx. It's a business venture. I don't want to talk about it. No offense. He's like, I'm not taken. You're a guy that does doesn't talk about it. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. In the way that he says it, you're just like, go. Cool. You're a guy that's full of shit. You're not going to tell me because you have nothing that's going on. That's what he says. Yeah, that's what he really says. But the line is so backhanded. There's something about when he said it. I had I watched it like three times. It was just the delivery and everything about it. It's just great. 
Well, because also Cruz, like, there's the early line when the guy falls in the cabin. Cruz keeps saying, like, six million people in the world, you're worried about one yeah. fat guy. It's like, the f- it's like something about him referencing a fat guy and saying it the way that he says it. It's this incredibly, like, well, yeah, you're obviously in great shape, and you think that what you do is the best, and you're great at it, and you just think you're an alpha, and you take great care of yourself. So, mm-hmm. like, if you aren't chasing your dreams, if you are out of shape, you're just less than, you know, the world you're seems... Less than. Yeah, you're less than. Yeah. And I think that's that why that line resonates. Yeah. It just thinks about the world that way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. You have a favorite line? You know, I, I, I can't remember the line, but I'll give you the description. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Blade Runner. Yeah. Rutger Hauer. Yeah, at the end of the movie, clearly could kill. Right, sure. Okay. And then he yes. fades and has that speech. Yep. And he says like tears, and tears in the rain. Right. That's your favorite right. line of it. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. So so as a so that, I mean that was an improv line. Yeah. From what I've read, Cruz does that very thing at the very end. Yeah. And uh, is there words? No, it's it's he he says he's yelling as he goes down and he's like Max, Max I, I do this for a living. Yeah. And then they shoot at each other. Oh no! And then he sits down. He says and uh, and he looks at him and he says, "Guy gets on the MTA, dies. You think anyone will notice?" And that's the last line of the movie. That's that's yeah. it. That's your favorite. That's line? my favorite line because he is he is shutting it's shutting down. Yeah. Right? He's the robot. He's turning he's off. Like, no one no one matters in this world. Yeah. Yeah. In the moment when he gets hit and he drops the clip. You'd think as that person, you'd be like, get that clip and kill that guy. Yeah, right. Get it. But as him, it's not. It's mission failed. You know, like like you said, the robot turned off immediately. Yeah, as soon right. as he gets hit, he's like, it's over. He looks down. He looks down. He realizes that he's malfunctioning, which he never does. Yeah, right. It's, he makes a mistake, which is the... He's that's, like, he's like, he drops, he drops the, clip, the clip. And, and it's, yeah. as an audience member, you, you wonder... The first thing you think of is... Is it an empty clip? You're like, mm-hmm. no, no, there's bullets in there. He's, he dropped a full clip. He had a clip. He could have killed yeah. him. I don't get it. And then you're like, oh, he's been shot. Oh, he's realizing his, the finality of the moment. It's over. Yeah, the scene ends, by the way, and they get out, of, they get out and they're walking by the train tracks. And a lot of people don't know this, but um, the final shot of this movie is the first shot in Heat. It's the exact same shot, the same location. And Michael Mann did it intentionally. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted. God, you gotta love that. He wanted <laughs> right? it to feel like the two movies connected. Yeah. Um, because he loves L.A. and he shoots L.A. in a way yeah. that no one else does. Yeah, this movie this was originally going to be in New York. Or yeah. Chicago, New York. Yeah. He moved to L.A. and that's and he just there's a look that uh, he mentions shooting the whole thing on digital video, which in 2004 was not common. This is mm-hmm. when the transition started happening. But he wanted the mil- the film to have this very specific look. Um, that's what the, the he felt that digital video captured low light and night better than filmed it. Um, and that's why there's the reflective panels inside of the cab. The whole entire interior of the cab are lined with these reflective panels, like the material that's on a cell phone that lights oh, up. Yeah. Yeah. There are all these electronic panels that uh, you, you could adjust them and then Velcro them. The whole inside of the cab was Velcro. So they could stick the panels on anywhere in the cab to act as reflectors and lighting for the scenes, which is wow. how they kept that's consistent amazing. light yeah. for the whole movie uh-huh. and why. So, yeah. I remember this was the transitional years. Yep. Yeah. They would actually shoot, I was on the television series, and they shot the digital right next to the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they shot in film was the nightclub in because, Fever because it was so well lit. Because higher lighting yeah, yeah, is not captured as well, which I'm sure they do right. better now. But uh, <laughs> anyway, moving on from favorite line, guys, we are going to touch on one last segment before we end the show, and that is recast. We've been doing a few more of these recently. We used yeah. to do them on every show. And uh, it's a real simple one. We're just recasting the two primary roles in the film, Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. Um, who we would go with, we're running a little short on time, so we're going to jump through this. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump just in do first. Pairs. Let's just do your, do your pair. Do a pair. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
my pair is in the Jamie Foxx role. I'm going Oscar Isaacs. That's great. Um, okay. Because I think he can play Hispanic in Los Angeles, and I think that that's believable. Me? Um, or you. Me? You can do it. As a cab driver. Not saying that a white person wouldn't be driving a cab, but I think just authenticity feels like I live here. That tends to be in cabs. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think for the assassin, I went Charlize Theron. Oh, you went, you gender flopped it. Because I felt like when I thought about it, I don't think it changes anything to gender swap it. I think it's still totally the same character. Yeah. I think there can be almost a more believable like attraction from the male driver to the female passenger. And I like that Charlize is an, is like relative to like, you know, Kate Mara or somebody. She's an older woman now. I think she would have the status and the power in like a pantsuit or something to pull it off. What about the sexual relationship between them? Would that tension overtake the brilliance of the non-mentioning of Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise Brotherhood. Does that make sense? It does. It does. <laughs> I, I think that you could even make you could even make the cab driver married. I don't even think it makes... Okay. The, I think you could totally do it. I just was imagining the relationship. I think you could have the same movie, but I liked it being a woman. It just... I think that would be badass. Yeah, it'd be fucking yeah. sick. So, what about you guys? Right. Yeah, I only think the way that works is if it's not a taxi, it's an Uber driver. Sure. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because yeah, taxis is... Yeah, yeah you don't sure. get a lot of... Even have them here. You don't get a lot of female <laughs> taxi drivers. It's true. Even though you're joking, it's really <laughs> true. If it was a taxi driver in LA, I'd be like, who the fuck takes taxis? Yeah, I'm not yeah. watching this. Uh, yeah, do you got yours, John, or you want me to go? It's Sean Penn and Tom Hanks. Oh, oh, that's star-studded. That is Well, you want to put people in the seats. Yeah. Who's in which Even role? though it's a Michael Mann film. Yeah, who's the killer? <laughs> Sean Penn. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. got to be. And Tom yeah. Hanks plays Tom the character. I, I, but that's the thing is that, like, he's so great. And, 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 and you talked about it earlier with Jamie Foxx. Just existing on screen with Tom Cruise, that could be enough yeah. to get an Oscar nod. Yeah. So, like, just seeing those two guys playing their parts and not trying to steal from one another would be Awesome. It would oh my be god, they'd be stealing nonsense. Right, that they'd be trying not to, but it would they'd be stealing. Unbelievable. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Be Tom, Tom putting it, because Tom's so funny, you know, he would try to. The humor? The yeah, humor he'd be kind of like goofy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be great. That'd be fucking awesome. would be terrifying. Yeah. Uh, but I think, it, once again, it has to be an Uber. Uber. Yeah, yeah, it's gotta be. What do you got, Drew? Uh, I love my two. Uh, I went with Mark Ruffalo as Jamie Foxx. I thought about that! Because I, I actually had someone else. Did you do the same thing? Yeah, of course. You yeah. always put Ruffalo. Because he's so good. He's great, everyone. He's amazing. Yeah. And he's and honestly, his death in this film is one of my favorite parts. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's just him walking out and he's, he, like, yeah. doesn't understand what happens. Um, and then Idris Elba is my killer. Oh, that's great. Because, I've, worked, like, well, I've worked with both of those guys. Really? Yeah, yeah I did. Awesome. He, we were. Uh, Houdini I played Houdini mm. and, and Mark played my brother in Houdini and, uh, and Idris I did um, Prom Night with oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah you're the killer the in Prom Night yes. that's right holy shit I forgot about that I forgot like that about movie. that I love they I would love be great movies. together yeah. yeah and the thing is that Idris has that movie star charisma that we're talking yeah, about where he, he can really say does. something you're kind of like are you gonna Fuck me or kill me. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. He is he is cool. He would work in a Michael Mann. Film. Yeah, yeah. He'd be badass. All right. Well, that's our recast, guys. There are three categories, three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous. Totally legitimate. Ridiculously legitimate. Um, totally ridiculous movies are like Con Air and Face Off. You laugh your way to the bank. They're great. They're just really funny. Um, totally, totally legit. Legit are movies that are gonna be like The Fugitive or something like that. You know, hold together Terminator well. Terminator Two. Yeah. And the middle category is the combo. I think for this one, it's pretty clearly totally legitimate for me. I don't think there's any. Doubt out there is there uh john you got any uh, no i think you're right yeah it's totally legit, legit i'm in the same page there's no point where i'm ever laughing unintentionally it's got great roles it was nominated for an oscar so yeah. that uh that brings us to our last segment on the show and that is called the pitch and honestly guys we don't have a pitch for next week so we're gonna throw up a poll for you tweet at us right now if you want to know what we're gonna do next week at ama podcast if you want to follow along with any of us you can find me 
at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. You guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. At John Sheck. S-C-H-A-E-C-H, damn it. Yes, not Shage. <laughs> and that's that, guys. So thank you so much for watching, and we will see you same time, same place, next week. Take care. That was awesome. Yeah. Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.